Thank you, worship team. Um, as I was sitting down this week and working on this sermon, um, I had that we were going to go through Colossians 3, verses, just verse 16. Um, and as I started reading it, um, I started to think of a sermon that I heard about a week ago, right around this time. There was a wise uh, gentleman that I was listening to, and uh, he gave some advice on a sermon, and he said he heard a good sermon is to have a good, middle, a good beginning, a good end, and try to keep those as close together. So I split this up, and we're taking verse 16, and we're going to do 16a and 16b. So I didn't want to keep us here forever, um, but Alex, if you're watching, I've told him a million times, thank you so much for covering me for last week. He did an awesome job. He really did, and uh, I appreciate him doing that. And uh, on top of that, when we were there in St. Louis last week, yeah, we went Saturday night, and uh, then we went Sunday afternoon, and uh, Saturday night we were sitting there, and we got to watch some fireworks at the end of the game, and uh, I guess the fireworks were trying to make up for the terrible way the Cardinals played that night, but uh, it was cool because we were watching it, and I was like, man, this is cool. I, I said, you know, Cardinals have a lot of different theme nights, and uh, they had Star Wars night a couple nights ago, and uh, they had fireworks and different things like that. And as we were leaving, I told Melinda, I was like sitting there thinking, I was like, man, it'd be really cool to go like a, to a Christian day at Cardinals. I knew they had Christian day. So then we go to sleep. Next morning we get up and we go to the ballpark and we walk in. And there's like banners that just say Christian day all over the park. I had no idea that Christian day was the next day. So when we went there, the, what, how the Christian day works is you go to the ball game. And then after the uh, ball game's over, you kind of go down by the Cardinals' dugout, whoever wants to, anybody's invited, and uh, you get to listen to some players talk. Um, we heard guys like Adam Wainwright, Matt Carpenter, Trevor Rosenthal, Zach Duke, all those guys talked about their faith and how it, how it uh, relates in the clubhouse with their group of guys, and that was really cool to hear. And then Mike Matheny came up next, and Mike Matheny talked about um, how as a clubhouse they always want to try to be united as one and how we as the body of Christ need to be bound together in love. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of like what I preached uh, a couple Sundays ago. And uh, then the main speaker that night or that day was Lance Berkman. And if anybody knows Lance Berkman, uh, he played on the 2011 World Series champion team, uh, got the big hit in game six to send it to game seven. And um, he spoke... And what he talked about kind of goes right along with what I'm going to be talking about today. But he, he came out of Matthew 7, and, uh, where it says, uh, where God looks at those people and says, I never knew you. And those people thought, man, we did all these great things, and, and you're saying you, don't, you didn't know me. And he told a story about a buddy of his when he played in Houston for the Astros. He played with a guy named Roy Oswalt. And if anybody in here is a baseball fan, you recognize the name Roy Oswalt, very good pitcher for the uh, Astros back in the mid-2000s, and he was saying that one night they were in there, if you've ever been to a ball game, when they take BP, some of the players just sit out there and they shag fly balls, and you got the annoying fans. If you ever been to a ball game with Eric Yoder, he's a very annoying fan, that he's like, hey, hey, over here, come over here, like trying to get the guy's name, like he knows him, and it's like, Eric, you don't know who that guy is, but he, he, Berkman was talking about an incident where he had that where they were sitting out there and this guy was going, Roy, 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 over here. Hey, Roy, what's up, man? What's up, Roy? And Berkman looked over at Roy Oswald and said, do you know this guy? And Roy said, never seen him in my life. 
And what Lance Berkman attested that to was this guy probably knew Roy Oswald. He probably knew his stats. He probably knew every team he's played for. He probably knew his win-loss record that year. He probably knew what pitches he threw. He knew all these different things about Roy. But did he really know who Roy was? And what Lance did in, in, his, in his sermon, he kind of related that to how we view God. See, a lot of us know God. We know a lot of statistics about God. We know a lot of facts about God. We know Bible stories. We know all these things that we may hear or maybe read. But Lance challenged me, and what I'm going to challenge you with this morning is, do we really know God? See, this guy knew Roy, but they didn't have a relationship. And my question is today, do we just know God, or do we have a relationship with God? And today we're going to be looking at one aspect of how we can get to know God better, how we can strengthen that relationship, and that's going to be through the Word. See, our relationship with God can be something that we sometimes put on the back burner sometimes, of how we get to know Him by getting in His Word, getting to know what He has to say, digging into getting to the very essence of who God is. So today we're going to be talking about worshiping in Word. Worshiping in word. I know your, uh, your notes say we're going to wor- talk about worship in word and worship in praise. We're going to hold up worship in praise until the next time I speak. But today we're going to be looking at worship in word. So if you have your Bibles, Colossians 3, verse 16 is where we're going to be. We're going to kind of just be in the first part. Colossians 3, 16, and I, I call it A, 16A. It's a pretty long verse with a lot of things in there, so we're going to break it down. 16a, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we're going to really be focusing on right where it stops at wisdom. All right, so let's just go ahead and pray, and then we'll get right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to get to meet together as a body. Lord, I pray that uh, as we dig into this uh, passage that you have here, Lord, I pray that you start to convict us. You start to challenge us about digging into the Word, letting the Word dwell within us. Lord, I ask that you open up the hearts of the people in here this morning. And Lord, I ask that you fill me with your Spirit, Father, to deliver a message not from me but from you this morning that will change us, convict us, and ultimately grow us. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In your heaven's name we pray. Amen. Well, that first part there, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So my thing is, is what it says, the let the word of Christ. So what is the word of Christ? You know, we can think about it being the entire book of the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the word of Christ. You know, specifically what he's talking about here is, you know, they didn't have back in this time where, where this was being written, Paul was talking to these people, and they didn't have the entire Bible at hand for them at this time. So what they would talk about is this teaching of Christ. This was the word. The word was passed down. See, word here means something sp- spoken by someone. So the only way that these people would know anything about the teachings of Christ was it had to be something that was passed down from generation to generation and passed on from person to person. So what he's talking about here is he's talking about the teachings of Christ. He's talking about the actual words of Christ. And he's talking about who Christ was. See, back then it was oral tradition. 
That was tradition to just pass this down. So, you know, we have the, the word of God today, but what they had back then was just the knowledge that was passed down from Jesus to the disciples, from the disciples to the, to the apostles, the preachers, the teachers, and they just passed that down from generation to generation. And what we know these teachings as, as he's talking about here, we know these teachings as the Gospels. We know this, these teachings as the Word of God. And I was thinking about Christ's teachings. You know, back then, if you think about how Christ taught, it was not a very popular message at that time. See, when Christ was speaking these things, it was very against the way that the, the world was re, uh, acting at that time. You know, they were very law-based, and the, and the Pharisees were teaching uh, the Bible, but they really were kind of teaching it in a way that was wrong, you know, kind of a, a more of a legalistic type of stance. And Jesus came, and he shattered the mold, and, and he starts talking about life through him and life through the Son. And what had happened was when Christ preached this stuff, People didn't always accept it. And then I started thinking about going back to the Cardinal uh, game when we had Christian Day. A little background story on Christian Day at St. Louis. Um, I'm sure they never really had as much pushback on Christian Day as they did this year. And the reason why they did was because Lance Berkman was very outspoken about homosexuality back when he played for Houston. And what had happened was, when the Cardinals had invited Lance Berkman back to, to speak, the LGBT community was very against the Cardinals doing this. They were very against Christian Day in general. And I read other articles where they actually had people coming. There were people at Christian Day. I didn't know about this until afterwards. They had people at Christian Day just to see what it was about. And then I read an article by one of the writers that were there, and it was completely bashing everything that was done that day. See, and the reason why I thought about that was because when we're thinking about Scripture and we're thinking about the Bible and you think about the teachings of God, the Word of Christ, we, th we ultimately think that everybody's going to accept this. Well, it's not necessarily the most popular thing in the world, especially in today's world. You know, Christianity is not the most popular thing. The teachings of the Bible are not always popular things. You know, people get into arguments with other people and they try to bring up Scripture and it has no weight because nobody puts weight in Scripture anymore. Nobody puts any weight in Scripture anymore, especially if you're an unbeliever. But see, this is what Paul was telling them to pass down and he knew that it wasn't going to be popular, but he still said that we need to be learning this, these things. We need to be passing these things down. We need to be dwelling on these things. And that goes right into our next word. It says dwell. Dwell in you richly. I was telling somebody yesterday that I love this word dwell because the word dwell here, I love it because it kind of gives life to the word of Christ. Because if I think of dwell, like I think of, well, they dwell in a certain town. You know, it's, it's an actual person living in a particular place. That's what I think when I think of the word dwell. So when we use this word dwell in, in this aspect, it's actually giving the Word of God, it's actually giving it kind of a, a, a little bit of life. And it's saying that this Word of God is dwelling somewhere. It's dwelling somewhere. And he's telling it to dwell in you. Dwell in you. See, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active. It is living and active. Now, 
obviously we know that our Bibles are not going to grow legs and arms and going to be running around and just saying everything that's inside of it. So how is the Word of God living and active? Well, we go back right into here. It says, it's dwelling in you. And we are living and active. So when the Word is in us and instilled in our hearts, that is how it lives. The Word of God lives and is active. And it says it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So when it dwells inside of us, it becomes part of us. It becomes how we speak. It becomes how we talk. It becomes how we react to different situations. It becomes, it, it becomes how we discern different things. See, the Word of God consumes us and ultimately drives us. And see, in order for something to dwell in us, so in order for something to dwell in us, we must invite it in. We must invite it in. Accepting Christ into our hearts instills the word of God on our hearts. See, when we accept Christ into our hearts, we have the desire. We have the, the, the wisdom. We have everything, access, we have all unlimited access to the word of God whenever we have Christ living inside of us. The Holy Spirit that lives within us, it starts to act, it starts to minister, it starts to do all of these things. And we start to, I think we were in Sunday school the other day, and somebody said, uh, you know, when, 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 I, when somebody's going through something, I always remember a verse. I, I always think of a verse. I can't always remember the reference, but I can always think of a verse, and I can tell them that. And see, that's how it is. It's, even though we may not be studying this as hard as we probably should be, and getting in this as much as we probably should be, the Word of God is instilled in us. When we read something that affects us, when we read something that affects us and we got the Holy Spirit working inside of us, it seems to stay there. It seems to imprint itself in us so that we always remember that. And that's the cool thing about Scripture, how active it is inside of us. See, in an example, this is Paul talking to the uh, church of uh, Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. He says, and we also thank God constantly for this. So turn with me there for a second. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. This is really cool. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It says this. It says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it, what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. See, the word of God dwelling in Paul in this ministry, they understood that this was just not Paul's words that he was saying to these people. But they understood it as the word of God because when the word of God fills you up and you preach and minister that, people recognize it as not just words of man, but they recognize it as something greater than that. And since it was so instilled into Paul during this time, he was, a, he was able to preach the word. See, he wasn't able to just stand up here and just say whatever he wanted to, but he was able to stand here and let the word of God flow out within him. And people recognized it. It pierced their hearts. And then you go on farther in, in Colossians, and it says, it says, dwell in you richly. Dwell in you richly. And I love that word richly because when we think of richly, it means abounding in something. You know, we think of people that have a lot of money. We would call them rich. 
And uh, so just like the person that has a lot of money, we can be filled abundantly with the word of God. We can be filled abundantly with the word of God. So when we let it dwell in us richly, it means the word of God is filling us up in abundant amount. So it is overflowing within us. And the reason why I love this is because when you think about this abundance and you think, well, is this really necessary? Well, let's look at Matthew 4, 4, where it says, But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we've probably heard that several different times in hearing the story of the, of the temptation. But what, what you really think about here, it says, man shall not live by bread alone. So we cannot only live on the things of this earth. That's not what gives us life. What gives us life, it says, every word that comes from the mouth of God gives us life. See, it's necessary to be filled with the word of God daily. It's necessary you're going to hear me say necessary a lot because being in the word and letting the word dwell in you and letting the word consume you ultimately changes who you are. It helps you in your life. So my question to us is today is how are we being filled with the word of God day in and day out? See, I was talking to a friend of mine and he was telling me how he was feeling convicted about how the, the word of God, the only receiving of the word of God that he had been getting lately is by listening to different sermons. I'm a guy that I love listening to sermons. I love listening to sermons. Podcasts, um, different things like that. I mean, they're, they're, they are, they're really, really, really beneficial. But when this guy texted me and he told me this, he said, that's great, but he's felt convicted that he hasn't got in the word enough just him and God. Just him and God. And see, my question is today is asking you, how are you being filled with the word of God? Are you just being filled up on Sundays when Kevin or me or Eric or Alex or whoever is up here preaching? Is that the only filling of the word that you're getting throughout the week? Is the only filling of the word that you get throughout the week listening to podcasts, listening to sermons, listening to other individuals Preach the word of God. Is the only filling of the word you get weekly out of your daily devotional where it has a verse at the bottom of your devotion? Now, am I saying that any of those things are bad? No, those are great. Those are awesome. I love listening to sermons. I love uh, getting into my devotional. I love All these different things that can fill us up, but nothing is ever as fulfilling as me just sitting down, opening the word of God, and just letting God guide me through that. See, what happens is, is whenever I stand up here, or whoever, and we sit here and we preach, and we give you guys what we're doing right now, it's good. We're, we, we are called to teach. We are called to teach, and we'll get into that here in a second. We're called to listen to our pastors and our teachers and great things like that. But ultimately, we should not be the ones that are guiding you through the word and guiding you in your spiritual walk. 
See, ultimately, it's God that has to be guiding you in that. See, God shows us different things. I guarantee, I, I, I try my best up here to try to break down Scripture in the way that I feel is best. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you that when you sit down and you ask God to guide me through a particular passage, I guarantee you God is going to show you what that passage means and how that passage applies to your life much greater than what I or Kevin or anybody you listen to throughout your week does. Getting in the word of God, you and God working back and forth, that is where true growth comes. And then we get into teaching and admonishing one another. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that, man, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. See, notice in these verses that the word of God is not just something we read, and it is not just something that we hear, but it is something that we do. How many people in here have ever learned from somebody, not even talking about a pastor or a speaker, but just from listening to somebody and they say, you know what I read in my, de- you know what I read in my devotion today, what, what scripture God brought me to this morning? I read in, in, in Romans, and I, I read about this, and this is what God showed me through that. See, that's what, this, that's what this whole word of God, that's, how, that's why God gave us access to the word of God because he gave it to us. It tells us right there, he breathed it all out so that we could bring it all in and that we could teach from that. We could, rep- we could have reproof for that. We could have correction for that. We could have all of these different things that profit us in different ways. So it's not something we read. How many people have ever read a passage I asked my, see, I'm starting to get into this whole fifth grade reading mode, and there's a lot of different things that go along with reading. You know, it's not just standing up here and reading, but there's comprehension, there's uh, characters, there's plots, there's all these great, awesome things that I'm learning as well. And what the cool thing is, is when I was sitting there thinking about this, I'm like, how many times do I read something and then get done and think, I have no idea what I just read. I just said a bunch of words at a very long time and have no idea what I just read. When I used to take those I-step tests and different things like that, they always had those reading passages. Well, I was always that kid that was like, all right, here we go. And I'd start reading through there, and I'd get done, and I'd go to the questions. They'd be like, all right, what was Mary Beth's pet that she had at the beginning of the story? I'm like, who's Mary Beth? I didn't even know. So I have to go back, and I have to read it again. And see, the cool thing is, is that's kind of relatable to how we read Scripture sometimes. How many times do we go through, maybe we're going through reading the Bible in a year, and we get done, and, and we get there, and we read uh, Genesis, and we read two chapters, and we get done, and we're like, okay, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, verse 1. All right, we're good. Reading Scripture, reading Scripture and not really dissecting it and not really digging down into it really does us no good. See, you may get a little bit out of that, but really what we're doing is just skimming the surface of what's really in the Word of God. Breaking it down, digging deep, understanding the meaning behind this, and then it allows us to learn. And then we can go forth and teach that in different 
aspects of life. See, reading the Scripture should motivate us. It should motivate us to do the things that God has set before us in our everyday lives. And then it goes to teaching and admonishing. Teaching and admonishing, they're two tools that need to be active in every body of believers. First off, teaching. How are people to grow if there is no teaching? How are we ever to grow if there is no teaching? Reading the Word of God is excellent, and I, I love it. And what happens a lot of times is I read it, and, I, and God shows me this, and then what happens is I can take that, and I can bring it to a Bible study and say, hey, guys, this is what God was reading. This is what God was showing me. In this, in this scripture. And then people learn from that. And then they take that and then they go and they start reading that. And then God shows them a different aspect of it. And then it, uh, how to apply that to their lives. And it just, it's kind of just a ripple effect of teaching and learning. Teaching and learning. Teaching and learning throughout our entire lives. And then it says admonishing. And what admonish means is to encourage somebody. To, to, to help somebody. It says how are we to walk our Christian walk with nobody there to advise us or to encourage us. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. That's what we're made to do. See, if we're, if we're walking in the word of God together, then we are going to encourage each other with the word of God. We're going to advise each other through the word of God. And then the last part, it says, in all wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And this question came to me, and I had to think to myself too, but this is an honest question I have for you guys. When is the last time in your prayer life have you asked God for wisdom? When's the last time you asked God for wisdom? Do we seek wisdom as a priority in our lives? Do we seek wisdom as a priority? But see, let's get an understanding here. Before, before we start asking for wisdom and we start thinking, well, yeah, I ask for wisdom all the time. You know, I had a math test two weeks ago and I asked God to give me all the answers. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not, that's not the wisdom that we're, that we're talking about. So let's, let's, let's kind of break it down. What is this wisdom? See, he's not talking about the wisdom we seek that maybe we think of as knowledge or smarts. But wisdom it, that he's talking about here is wisdom that comes from above. Wisdom that comes from above, that helps us through life, that helps us in decisions, that helps us with relationships, that helps us with all these different aspects of life that we think we have figured out, but in reality, we don't. And we need wisdom to figure those things out. See, he goes on to talk about this in uh, James chapter uh, 3. He goes on where he says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. See, that's all the characteristics of this wisdom that we're thinking about, that we're talking about here. See, this wisdom is far greater. God's wisdom is far greater than any wisdom that we could ever think of. That It blows our minds as human beings the wisdom that God can bestow upon us. You know, we can think of the very wisest individual that we run into. And my question is, is it, when we think of a wise individual, where do they get that wisdom from? Where do they get that wisdom from? 
I'm talking about a wise person spiritually. And that person gets their wisdom from above because they have asked it. And the cool thing is, is that God gives us full access to that. You can ask for wisdom this morning, and God will give you that wisdom. Now, where do you find that wisdom? The Word. In the Word. See, God asks us to seek, and we will find. Ask, and it will be given to us. Knock, and the door will be open. So in closing, the thing that is crazy about this verse is that there are so much important, essential, and necessary things packed into this one first part. It's just the first part of verse 16. I think so many times we forget to put an importance on God's word in our lives. See, when in reality, uh, God had, he gave us his word to not be a chore, to not be a job, to not be a burden, a time filler, or an absent thing in our lives. But God gave us his word to be a joy, to be a tool, to be a guidebook, to be an answer, and to be a way of communication between a God and his people. See, if the only interaction that you have in his word is on Sundays, by listening to your pastor, by tuning into your favorite speaker on a daily basis, or just attending a Bible study, then you're missing the point. You're missing the point. See, God has placed his word in our lives so it can be accessible at all times to all people. That's the coolest thing about the Bible. It is accessible all times to all people. We have access to the actual words of God. God's breathed words. So when we have this opportunity, making time in our day to sit down and just get into his word and allow him to guide us through it is so important. It's so important. See, that's how you get to know God. That's how you get to build a relationship with him. That's how you gain wisdom. That's how you understand his love is by reading his word. See, we're going to watch a video today that's going to show us a practical tool. This is, uh, Chad Graber showed me this, and it was a really cool tool of how we, can, how we can get into the Word daily. And not only can we get into the Word daily just as individuals, but this is a way that we can get into the Word as a body, as a body of believers. Now, this is in the very beginning stages, and you know there'll be more about this later, but uh, many of us on the leadership team have talked about this tool and how we can try to make this work and how we can try to integrate this into the church body. But what it's called is it's called, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an app. Anybody know what an app is? Yep, 2017. You probably need to know what apps are. Everything's an app now. But this app is called Read Scripture. That's all it's called. Read Scripture. And it's by Francis Chan and the Crazy Love Organization. And he's got a video here that he's going to kind of explain this. And like I said, we're, we're going we're to be looking at this as a leadership team and see how we can integrate this into us as a body. But ultimately the goal is, and he'll explain it on there, but ultimately the goal is 
to not only have the word of God used to uh, grow us, but actually using the word of God as something in common that we can all be on the same page as. And whenever we meet together, not only do we have the Bari basketball games in common that we can talk about all the time, But now we're reading the exact same verses day in and day out as our brother and sister in Christ. And then we can talk about, hey, what'd you think of today's Bible verse? What'd you think about that? What did God show you in that that time? So it's something that can not only grow us, but unite us. And that's kind of been the goal of this whole summer series that we've been going through is uniting us as a body. So at this time, John, if you want to shut the lights off, Daryl's going to play this video. Bear with me. It's a little long, but it's very awesome. When I read the Word, I really take it as God's Word. I'm praying before I read, and I'm asking the Lord to show me like if I've never read before and let me experience Him in that time. There's a story in Luke 10 where Jesus enters his house of Mary and Martha, and Mary's just sitting at his feet, glued, like listening to him. Martha's running around doing all this stuff, preparing, and she actually gets angry and tells Jesus, hey, can't you tell Mary to help me? She's just sitting there. And Jesus answers and says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And when I read that story, I'm like, gosh, our churches are filled with Marthas that are anxious about so much stuff. And I'm not hearing about the people that are just sitting at the Lord's feet every day, doing the one thing that Jesus says is necessary. I mean, don't you think that's a big deal when Jesus says one thing is necessary? What Mary's doing, sitting at my feet. It's the same thing that David says in in Psalm 27. He goes, one thing have I asked of you, that which I'll seek after. And, And that's to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon his beauty. All through scripture, people saw this as the priority. I just want to be alone in the presence of God. We've lost this art of meditating day and night on the Word of God, like Psalm 1 says, where we become these trees that are just rooted, but instead we're just blown and tossed by the wind. We're not rooted, we're not strong, we're not deep. And the church needs to get deep in the Word, and that happens when individuals get alone with the Word of God. Instead of going to the Word for answers for my problems. I need to just continue to learn more about who God is and what He says for me, and that shines a light on everything in my life and gives me a lot of perspective. In Exodus 19, you have this amazing story where Moses walks up the mountain to meet with God himself. And everyone else is standing at the base of the mountain because they're not allowed to go up. And they see fire, they see smoke, the ground is shaking. And every time God speaks, they say it's like thunder, like a trumpet. Can you imagine being down there and just going, I can't wait till Moses comes down. I can't wait to hear what it was like to be in the presence of God. Can you imagine how excited Moses was to come down and tell the people, man, I just was with God. See, the church 
should be a bunch of people who spent time on that mountaintop alone with God, and then we gather together to talk about it, excited, going, man, I was in the presence of God. This is what he said to me. This is what he said to me. And we share our experiences. But nowadays, that's not what the church is like. Instead, it's just everyone coming to hear about one person's experience. Think about how powerful the church would be if we all read the word of God together and had these experiences of God. Then we came together. This last year, we had the whole congregation commit to reading through the entire Bible. And we used the Read Scripture app so that we'd all be on the same passages. And it was so cool because you saw people talk about the Word of God every day. Like they were talking to each other about the passage they read that morning. So then when we would gather on Sunday, it wasn't like they were starving and needed a word from the one guy that came to the presence of God. No, everyone was dwelling on this all week long. So I just love it because it doesn't put a, a pressure on me like, hey, I got to uh, perform or do something to entertain these people. I'm just like, all right, here it is. Let's open it up now. And sometimes it'll stay quiet for a little while. And just being able to sit through that silence, you know, till somebody finally steps out and says, yeah, here, here, here's what I've been looking at. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yeah, getting quiet, it's, it matters for everything I do, whether it's a small task or something really large and impactful for the kingdom. I have to be centered on his truth or I tend to make up my own. And we live in a time where everyone goes, hey, I think this, I think this, I feel this, I feel this. And God's saying, it doesn't matter. Do you understand? Like you see the heavens up there, see how it's so much higher than the earth? He goes, that's the way my thoughts are. So why do we spend all day looking inside and trying to figure out what we feel and what we think if God tells us right there that his thoughts are not the same as ours, but they're infinitely higher? Doesn't it make sense that all of us should be then searching? Well, then what are those thoughts? What does God think? And so when you see a congregation all searching the word of God because we love the thoughts of God and we see them as far superior to our own, that's what bonds us together. And how amazing would it be if we saw believers all over the country commit, make the effort and say, we're going to read through the Bible together. And what if we really did read the same passages of scripture every day? And then every believer you came in contact with, you could fellowship over God's thoughts, how we could be unified as a church. And people would learn to discover truth, not just by listening to what everyone says, but by studying the word for themselves. Like, I don't get it. Like, how have we gone so far from, from what we see in Scripture where people say, this is the one thing I want, and where the Son of God says, this is the one thing that is necessary. And meanwhile, we have these churches and people who call themselves Christians, and they don't even long for the one thing that believers have longed for for all of history, to hear from the Lord, 
to, to, to understand him, to come into his presence. Man, pastors, it's time that we step up and get our people to get into the word. I mean, push them to get into God's presence for themselves. It's going to make our churches so much stronger. We can't just allow people to come and just just hungry all week waiting for this word from us because we came into the presence of God and, and we as pastors studied the word of God. No, it's when they fellowship over it. And it's when they can stand on their own two feet because they know how to read the scriptures. That's when the church is going to be strong again. That's when there's going to be a depth. And that's when our people will no longer be tossed by every feeling that they get because we'll look at the word of God and we'll be people of the word of God because we read scripture for ourselves and we know truth. And like I said, that Read Scripture app, um, we're going to be looking into that and how we can um, really dig in as a body of providence and how we can be united under the Word of God. So I'm just going to go pray. For, uh, go ahead and pray for us and turn it over to next prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for this, this message Lord, of just getting it in your Word. Lord, I just pray right now that... Um, Lord, I pray as a desire, not just for this church, but for the, the church as a whole. Lord, we just, I just pray that we, we can start to get that desire back. Lord, that desire to, uh, as, as uh, Chan made, Father, the, the desire to do the one necessary thing that you tell us. The one necessary thing. To make an effort to get to know you more. Lord, I pray we get back to that. We get back to the early church. We get back to the, to the ways of no distractions. Lord, we get back to going up on that mountain and experiencing the presence of our Lord. That's my prayer today, Father. Lord, I just, I just ask that you, while we're in the word, Lord, that you continue to um, show us things in there that will just change our lives, change our thoughts, change the ways we act, change the ways we talk. And Lord, that we understand that when we're in your word, we're at the feet of God and just worshiping you and getting to know you more. Lord, we thank you so much for everything that you do, and we love you so much. And everybody said, amen.